Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from the Over the Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start. I am your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined, as always, by Bailey Von Snyder. Bailey, nice little series here with the Brewers. A uh, bit of a, just a bit of a mix of uh, everything, really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that's that seems pretty accurate description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, at least, uh, you know, got the win on the way out, a little momentum, maybe. Yeah, we'll I mean, you, we can only hope that that'll sort of help us get yeah. over the hump of what's to come. But but who really knows? Yeah, yeah, good chance. By the next time we uh, record, there could be some uh, some big changes to this team. So let's yeah. uh, let's dive on in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, let's do a little recap. So game one, uh, we had Davis versus Woodruff. Um, it of course did end in a loss for the Red Sox, four to one. But uh, Davis went out there. He did uh, two, so pretty much the the opener type role. Um, two and a third innings. Uh, he didn't give up any runs. Uh, one hit, no walks, four Ks. Actually, looks pretty pretty darn good out there. Um, but what the the really impressing thing for me was actually uh, Brian Bayo coming out after Davis, and he actually went four and a third innings. Uh, he gave up four hits, only two earned runs. He had four strikeouts. He did walk three. But the thing with with Bayo is I thought that he actually looked pretty darn good. There was once again 
you know, little dinky hits or, you know, the defense not really being as strong as it could. Like this, like I was so impressed with this one. And then we had um, Brazier come in and sort of be the Jekyll and Hyde Brazier that he normally is. This time he went uh, an inning in the third. It was completely scoreless. Um, And then, of course, Sawamura comes in um, in a one-run game for the ninth. Then he allowed two runs. So Sawamura has just been... He's just been really bad, in my opinion, really. Um, but then, of course, the big problem, too, was the, the Red Sox just offense. There was only seven hits from the Sox. Uh, two of those hits actually belonged um, for Verdugo and Vasquez. So four of the seven were from two people. Um, so I gave a little bit on my thoughts on uh, Davis and Bayo. Um, how did you feel about them, Keaton? Yeah, Davis looked really, really oh, sharp. Right? Um, he did. Yeah, they look great. Super strong way to start the game. Mm-hmm. Four strikeouts. Um, only one hit, the walk looked really, really good. And then Bayo following, I completely agree. Three walks was um, a little much, mm-hmm. uh, a little elevated for just the, the four and two thirds. But um, that was really kind of it. Like the, the four strikeouts looked great. Velocity was incredible. Yeah. Uh, was consistently yeah. up there at 98, blowing people away. Um, gave up his first run, but then came back immediately to strike out. Um, Ah, shoot, I forgot who it was now. But on a 98-mile-an-hour mm-hmm. elevated fastball, just completely overpowering them, looked awesome. Um, and it just kind of – he seems to be getting better and better, though the lines may – like at face value may not look spectacular. But every outing that he goes out there, he does look like he's getting better and better, more comfortable on the mound. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was another step forward for Bayo. I liked it. Looks good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely for both of them. Um, I really like Davis in this bullpen. I just think that sometimes, like I've always said, if if I was to criticize Alex Cora on anything, it's two things: it's how he runs the bullpen and his loyalties to certain people. And I just think with Davis, is he hasn't again. We 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 talked before we started recording about like if you give guys roles, they can fall into those roles and understand those roles. Like Davis is somebody that. He's just used in like so many different ways that I feel like he doesn't really understand how to utilize him properly. And I think once we figure that out, like that can potentially be a value in our bullpen. But that's how I feel about that. And I agree with uh, with Bayo. But how do you think about so like they pretty much used Bayo in coming in right after the opener. So it's like, do you think that moving him to the bullpen is going to help his development or Will they use him? Like, will they use him after an opener? Do you think they're going to start giving? Do you think they're actually going to have him do more starts? Like, what what do you think is going to be sort of how we'll see Brian Bayo used for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think it's an interesting way to help mm-hmm. him acclimate to the major leagues because I think this takes away the approach that Tampa used to him and like throwing eight lefties at him. Yes, you can't exactly throw that lineup um, against him if you're going to get two plus innings from an opener. Yep. Um, so it keeps them from keeps a lineup from like overpowering him, and kind of evens that that more out. So I think that um, I don't know how much of an effect that necessarily has on him because they're still major league hitters that he's facing here. But it it kind of eases that transition there, and mm-hmm. it's not so, so it's not so much of him just coming in and immediately facing a brick wall of major yeah. league talent. So I think it definitely helps kind of like bridge that gap from him. Um, rushing through the minors and then all of a sudden immediately becoming up here to the major. So I think it helps uh, from that sense. But I think he has the confidence that uh, he still would have been able to figure the other stuff out. But I think that's kind of like the uh, where the opener piece helps a lot with someone's development like that. So I kind yeah. of actually do like this approach with him uh, and seeing that play out a little bit more. I also actually kind of like him being available in the bullpen 
um, potentially in other situations as well because of his stuff is just filthy. And if you need to get yeah. like an inning out of somebody who has just electric stuff, he's available to do that for you now, uh, being in the bullpen role. So mm-hmm. I think um, we've also seen core use guys in a bunch of different ways when, there are, when they are in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So um, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did basically use him in that way. And I, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing for him either. Uh, here so uh yeah actually i kind of like it i kind of like this move i I wasn't expecting it Mm -hmm. but i like it yeah no you're right because it yeah uh, the other team can prepare better when they know he's starting versus him just kind of being like surprise here he is and then he can sort of shut down a lineup so i like that that's actually a a pretty interesting way of looking at it yeah moving on to game two we had eric lauer versus nick pavetta red sox take the loss here again nine to four Pavetta went five innings, nine hits, four runs, all earned, two walks, four strikeouts. Uh, Pavetta was followed by Ort, Diekman, Brazia, and Sawamura, who all allowed at least one run. We had three hits from Arroyo, two from Jalen Davis, and two from Vasquez. Um, wasn't a whole lot of positives here from this one <laughs> besides just the, um, the bunches of hits from those guys there uh, at the bottom of the order. Um, what were your thoughts on... Another uh, scuffling start here from Pavetta. Oh, man. I I don't know what to make of Nick Pavetta. Like, tr- truthfully, it's this has just been such an up-and-down season. And it's like he th- – I mean, there was like a month of dominance, like where he looked like, oh, this, this man could be making the All-Star team. And we needed that at the time because God only knows where we would be if he wasn't dominant because that's especially around the time that Evaldi, you know, went down on the I.L., but it's it's just so difficult because I don't I don't know I can't confidently say like oh we're gonna get us at least a solid start from him it could be like like the start wasn't terrible four earned runs in five innings like he's been worse he's been clearly way better I mean he pitched a complete game uh so I don't know it's just so difficult to really understand who Nick Pavetta is as a pitcher if this is if you're going into a season where like this is your true number five or your four, like and and you have actually really solid options rounding out like your five man rotation. I'm totally fine with this. I'm ecstatic if I'm getting this from our fifth man in the rotation, but like he's just not right now. And I know it has a lot to do with injury and a lot to do with um, you know, potentially trades. Like he might, you know, we might be losing Ovaldi in the next two days. So he's gonna have to step it up and it's just I just, it's so difficult for me to make anything of Nick Pavetta. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, it is. It, it's it's weird to say that his recent starts have been better because he's been giving up like three and four runs in mm-hmm. four five innings. Yeah. Um, but that has been a lot better. What's <laughs> yeah. the like the first Absolutely. the end of June first half of July? Um, so it's, it's kind of you know, leveled out his average of when he was, like you pointed out, he was like an all-star pitcher. Uh, and then the bottom completely fell out. And now he's kind of hit the middle of the road again. And he's kind of performing to that mm-hmm. fifth level starter level, which is great when you have five starters so that he can be your fifth, but not mm-hmm. when he's, you know, you're relying on him to be your number two yeah. or, you know, before Evaldi came back, your number one at the time. So... Uh yeah, I mean this is this is kind of what we expected to get out of Pavetta. Um it's just, you know, 
given who's in the rotation, your your expectations changed, and given on how good he was for such a long time at the beginning of the season, you're hoping you're just going to kind of get a little bit more out of him, or at least the offense can help pick you, pick you up some to get to the bullpen. But um, when the bullpen that follows allows uh, five runs, mm-hmm. um, not a whole lot your offense really can do to cover up all that. So True. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the bullpen, um, why is Brazier still being used all the time? And Sawamura being used in a one-run game. Um, what do you make of these bullpen decisions? Yeah, again, th- this is to me the biggest weakness of Alex Cora. Uh, I d- Brian Brazier has one of the straightest fastballs I've like ever seen a human throw. It's just straight, and it's right down there, and it gets hammered. Like it- especially if if his velocity is like ninety-eight plus there's likely to be more swing and miss with that, even with a straight fastball. But if that's just down a tick, that's like, let's tee off time. And he, I, and a lot could be said for overworking people. I think he's overworking Schreiber. I think a big issue of what happened with Matt Barnes was being extremely overworked. And we're seeing how the extremely overworked is not only ruined the second half of 2021 for him, but pretty much all of this season. And I think a lot of that has to do with the workload that Alex Cora puts on some of these guys. So I'm afraid that that could happen with, with Schreiber. It's like going to them too much, but yeah, I have no idea how, how and or why um, Ryan Brazier and Hirokazu Sawamura are ever in high leverage situations. You have other people in that pen that you should at least try to put in high leverage situations over these people. It feels like every time Sawamura comes out of the bullpen, he's giving up runs. Yeah, it seems like as soon as those guys come in, um, Cora's waving the white flag. And yeah. like just trying to get through the innings to the end of the game rather than trying to, you know, still salvage the game, <laughs> which is why in a one run game, bringing in Sawamura, I was very confused. Yeah. Because that they- game still, if, I mean, even though you. We're going up against Josh Hader in the bottom of the ninth. Um, it still seemed like you were just kind of admitting that you didn't have a chance. Yeah, and Hader's been super shaky lately, too. So it's not as yeah. if you're like vintage form Josh Hader. Like you, you could potentially have had a chance, but yeah, you really say the white flag has sort of been raised, and it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating. Yeah. Um, but at least uh, we got uh, good news today. Uh, we had Josh Winkowski go against Ashby, and it was an actual 7-2 to victory by the Boston Red Sox. And Winkowski actually looked pretty good today. He did five innings pitch, seven hits, two earned runs, only walked one, one strikeout. But that's the thing is he doesn't really have the best swing and miss stuff, so I'm not expecting high strikeout numbers. Um, and then Whitlock, Davis, and Schreiber followed for four shutout innings because those are some of the better people in our bullpen. So... So it's nice when the good guys in the bullpen can come out and actually do what they do. Uh, we had two hits for Bogarts, JD, Arroyo, and JBJ. Sox had 11 hits, eight of which were doubles. Yeah, this was truly like the, the game of the doubles, uh, which was a lot of fun to watch. I love seeing a good double. Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, Winkowski's outing? Yeah, he continues to be really good mm-hmm. in this in his role uh, and really like the most reliable pitcher in the rotation right now. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that continues because I'm not sure yeah. you know, how long that is going to be the case, <laughs> but um, that's the case right now, um, especially five innings, only one strikeout, uh, but able to work around all of that pitching to contact and mm-hmm. getting the outs that he needed to, only allowing two runs, uh, you know, kept a minute and then the offense with all those extra base hits 
picked him up and was able to get the Red Sox to win. Yeah, it's just it's a weird feeling seeing Winkowski go to the mound and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what? I feel really good about today. Yeah. That's weird because it was just a weird feeling. <laughs> so that's yeah, absolutely. But that's yeah. where we are. That's no, just kind of where we are. Absolutely, and it's yeah, he's been he and Cutter Crawford have really impressed me this season. Um, but of course, we are getting near the trade deadline, so of course we're going to have to do a little quick chat about that. So some Red Sox players' names have been out there in you know the trade rumors. Bogarts and Vasquez have come out and said it's affected them. Uh, Vasquez also said today that the players believe they could compete, but then when he was asked, do um, you believe that High and Bloom believes this as well, uh, he did respond simply with a, I don't know, uh, which probably not the best answer. But the question is, like, is it possible um, that the rumors and this lack of a, a clear direction is maybe adding to the, the struggles of these players? Like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think a little bit to an extent, like um, Bogarts in particular, a couple of days ago came out and was like, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I've been like personally reassured that I'm not getting traded. See, I like uh, to hear that though. That's the stuff I like to hear as a fan. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And he said after admitting that, that helped him relax a lot and he felt like he could go out and play better baseball after that. So, he I mean, hearing it directly from a player, I got to feel like, yeah, that definitely does affect him. And there's like almost the entire roster has basically been in trade rumors. So yeah, because we have like... so many pending free agents. It's crazy. This this team is going to look so different in 2023. Yeah, so yeah. I think that, that it definitely does. And it's also like the the piece about the direction, I feel like that's also not unique to Vasquez because, again, Bogarts, I believe a few weeks ago, was, had been – egging the the front office on for some help and and trying to convince them that um, the major league roster needs some help and had been waiting for some action. It just feels like there's a lack of communication. And and obviously, I mean, I don't know how much communication there is or should be between the front office and the players on the field, but I feel like enough communication that the players know what the direction of the team is. Yeah. I. Um, And it feels like that's not happening. And that feels like a gap to me because I feel like if the players know what the direction of the team is, they can feel more comfortable going out on the field and performing. So if they know, or at least if they have an indication that some help is coming, mm-hmm. that gives them a boost of confidence to go out there and play some games. And if they don't know what the direction of the team is or even like, you know, where they're going to be in a couple of days, I feel like that can definitely compound uh, and, and kind of, you know, coupled with all of the injuries that they had kind of, just snowball effect all those struggles so yeah i think that definitely has had i mean how much of an effect has it had or has it been more of the the injuries and that they're basically playing with the Sox right now yeah i don't know what the ratio is but i I, it feels like it's not um you know it feels like it's playing some kind of effect um in in how the distribution struggles have had as well because we've the players themselves have admitted as much oh yeah no absolutely and i think that you Xander has like this series Xander played really well like I think that he is sort of with being reassured that you're gonna be here like we're not trading you I think he could take a deep breath and actually play pretty pretty well this series like I have him as my MVP of this of the series I thought he went out there he looked good his defense has looked really good this season overall too um I love him I want him here I think him being here 
uh, long term also helps sign Devers because they're very close. Um, but I don't want to give him $30 million a season. I think he is a $25, $27 million guy. I wouldn't go at a higher AAV of 27, and I wouldn't go more years than six. And I think that is absolutely more than of value. So it's more of a take it or leave it type thing. And if he doesn't take it and leaves it, that's not a situation where I'm like, upset because I'm like oh if I know that the Red Sox offered what like 6162 to him I'm gonna say thank you to the Red Sox for offering him an extremely fair deal he just didn't want to take it he wanted more money and you can't you can't fault them but as long as my team fields a competitive offer I I feel good about it and I think that they think that they're going to be able to keep him if they don't trade him because we saw understanding Mookie said no to 10 300 million then you're like okay fine I'm going to trade you and I'm going to get the best value I can for you, whether or not people on Twitter think that it was the right value. But people on Twitter also don't understand that Mookie Betts was a rental for the Dodgers at that point and then would have most likely gone to free agency if the COVID pandemic didn't happen and he didn't sign immediately before even lacing up his cleats for the Dodgers. Like those things fans just don't truly under some fans don't truly understand so i think it shows somebody like xander that like we want to keep you here and if you can give me that left side of the infield for the next or at least for six years with xander and then beyond obviously with devers and you build around that and there's a lot of money coming off the boards this could be a really really interesting team in 2023 i think and i'm excited to see what they do with this deadline yeah it's gonna be real crazy 48 hours it really is gonna be yeah (laughs) So I went with uh, Vasquez for my MVP. Mm. He's had a uh, couple multi-hit games in there, yeah. a bunch of doubles. Had himself a nice little series there. Get that value well. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, that was going to do it for the series against the Brewers. Take a quick break. Come back and preview the series against the Astros. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, you're up to the minute standings. The American League East, the Yankees are in first place, 69 and 34. 11 and a half games back in second place, the Blue Jays, 57, 45. 14 and a half games back in third, the Rays, 54 and 48. 17 and a half games back in fourth, 51 and 51 is the Orioles. And then 18 games back in last place, 51 and 52 is the Boston Red Sox. They now play. The Houston Astros, who are 67 and 36, first place in the AL West. They are uh, two games only, only two little games behind the Yankees for the best record in the American League. Yeah, the Astros bother me on so many levels because they're just so good with being able to say goodbye to their superstars because they've just drafted and developed so well in it. Oh, it drives me insane. <laughs> yeah. Pitching matchups for this series, uh, not great. Nathan Evaldi mm-hmm. versus Luis Garcia, Carter Crawford versus Christian Javier, and then opener slash probably Bayo versus Jose Urquidy. How do we feel about those matchups? Oh God, um, Evaldi's just not looked great. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be like whether or not you just want Evaldi to pitch well because he's pitching for your Boston Red Sox and you want to win. You also want him to pitch well 
because if somebody has interest in him and he pitched against, you know, arguably like the best team, in my opinion, the best team in the American League, I think the Yankees are frauds and I think we're starting to see that. Um, <laughs> so this is the best team. Uh, so going up is got a formidable lineup. If he can pitch well, it's going to bring the stock value up for him. So I think it's a it's a win-win for the Red Sox for Tuovaldi to go out and have a, a good game. Um, I don't know. I want to believe the Red Sox will win one game. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be tough. I think, yeah. So I'm hoping that that Crawford, Christian Javier uh, one might be a, a win for them. But Luis Garcia and Jose Urquidy are both great. Yeah. So t- it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, those are really tough matchups uh, mm-hmm. for for the Red Sox. I I don't feel great about <laughs> any of them. And the, uh, just the way that the Red Sox have gone, I don't know if the Red Sox are going to get a win. I predicted that the Astros will sweep. Just because I think they're going to be three really tough games. Um, although you're right, baseball's weird. They'll probably get one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we know the, the weirdest thing is I might feel the best about the opener slash the Bayo game mm. because Arquiti has been a bit up and down yeah. this year, um, and I feel like of the three matchups, he's the the weakest of the Astros pitchers that they're yeah. throwing. And if the opener slash Bayo situation goes as well as it did in the Brewers series, then I mm-hmm. could definitely see the Red Sox offense picking them up and getting a win there. So it's really weird to feel like that's the one I'm the most confident about. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. But it is. Yeah, I'm, yeah I, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, I would love to win that middle game. I think that I'm I'm hoping that they're not going to get swept just because, like, come on, please, please don't get swept. Um, so I kind of sort of put for, like, my MVP prediction of Cutter Crawford sort of just going out there and, like, shutting down this Astros lineup and people being like, oh, oh, interesting. Uh, I just kind of would hope – I would just love to just see that, you know, and just see him yeah. take even more of a step because he has been pitching so well and he's pitched well again. Like he pitched really well against the Toronto Blue Jays. So I would love to see him go out and pitch uh, another really great game against the, you know, the best team in uh, the American League. Yeah. Line up the Ashes rolling out there. Jose Altuve leading off. Yuli Gurriel in second. Jordan Alvarez third. Alex Bregman cleanup. Kyle Tucker fifth. Jeremy Pena sixth. Chaz McCormick hitting seventh. Jake Myers hitting eighth. Martin Maldonado. Ninth, pretty mm. strong lineup. It is. That is indeed. Oh God, they keep they keep winning. Yeah, they sure do. <laughs> well, um, any other closing thoughts on this one? Uh, no, just um, looking forward to what these next days are gonna entail, and just seeing what this team's gonna look like. You know, come you know August third. Yeah, big changes coming. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, that is going to do it for this podcast, Red Sox Precap. Uh, we have some other... Oh, uh, speaking of the trade deadline, the mm-hmm. normally Jake and I will, would record on Monday night for uh, the Red Seat, and then you'd get it Tuesday morning. But because the trade deadline is on Tuesday, we're going to wait until after the trade deadline so we can recap mm-hmm. all of the fun <laughs> stuff that is probably going to happen on that day oh yeah uh, and give you the full rundown on that so the red seat will be coming out later in the week so make sure we cover all of that um so stay tuned to your over the monster podcast network feed for all that fun stuff uh, and any other awesome podcasts that we have dropping later in the week so there you go um you can find us both at over the monster where we do some writing and stuff uh, you can also find both of us on twitter you can find me at the spoken keats you can find bailey 
at Frawline89. Uh, Bailey, you got anything else you want to pump? No, no, that's just it. Just uh, follow me, and we're all in this together over the next 48 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be with you later in the week. Bye.